Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's go to Luke chapter 5 as we continue in our walk through the Gospels. Um, uh, Luke chapter 5 and verse 33. Now this account is also in the synoptic Gospels of Matthew and Mark as well, but for the sake of time, we're just going to read Luke's version, all right? Beginning in verse 33 of Luke chapter 5, the inspired version known as the New King James. Verse 33 says, Then they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? Now these are um, the disciples of John coming to ask him. When you read Matthew and Mark's account, you see that it was the disciples of John that came to him and said, How come we, as well as the Pharisees, are fasting, but your guys are eating and drinking? And he, Jesus, said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into what kind of wineskins? New wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. Thank you, Father, for this time together with your people. Thank you for the privilege and the responsibility and the joy that I have of teaching your word tonight. And Lord, we thank you for the living, powerful word that your word is, God, that it is life-changing and it's supernatural, Lord, and it's miraculous. And we thank you, Lord, that one word from God can change our entire situation. So that's what we're here to do tonight is to feast on your word and all the potential, Lord, that it can bring into our lives. Your word teaches us and shows us what life can be. So, Lord, we want the life that your word offers. It's life to those who find it, and it is health to all of our flesh And so in that, Lord, we thank you and thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation now in the knowledge of Christ to be upon every hearer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Jesus gives these two parables here back to back, one about the new patch and how it would not match up with the old garment and the new wineskins cannot be poured into old wineskins. The gist of these was to show that Jesus came to do a new thing that would not at all mix with the old covenant ways that the people had been used to. Uh, the dawning of a new day was here, and the, the, the morning star had shown up to present this new covenant and the benefits of this new covenant. You know, there are benefits with him. There are benefits with Jesus, benefits in this, in this covenant. You hear me quote this psalm all the time, but David was talking about this day. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction. Amen. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So he gives you words to say that will rejuvenate you, that will, I can't say euthanize, <laughs> that, 
that will bring fresh youth to you. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, and, and cause you to be renewed again and again and again. It satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. So these are many benefits that come with him. And so Jesus, when he came and ministered to the people and he taught the people, he showed them also, along with what he was teaching, all the benefits of what the new covenant would bring. And Hebrews chapter 8, we're going to look there for a moment. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 says, For if that first covenant, that first covenant being the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments, if it had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. No, it... Um, it, it was not a faultless covenant. It was a fault-finding covenant. Verse 8, because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Everybody say new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Verse 9, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. Okay, so this new cloth sewn on an old garment in Jesus' day would, would shrink the first time it was washed and then therefore tear away from it and even make a larger hole on the garment, making it worse. So this illustrates that Jesus did not come to patch up the old Mosaic covenant with the new covenant. All right, It's a whole brand new experience. Hebrews chapter 7, let's turn there for a moment in verse 18. It says, for on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. All right? So the weakness was, and we learned this from Romans chapter 8. Let me just start in verse 1. I think it's verse 2. Um, this is just off the cuff, Matthew, so um, you don't have to bring this up on the screen. But verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in who? Christ Jesus, right? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. See, that? that's what it's talking about, the weakness. The law was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he therefore condemned sin in the flesh. This law could not be practiced in the flesh. It could not be performed in the flesh. So this is what this is talking about. Because of its weakness and unprofitableness, verse 19 of Hebrews 7 says, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Praise God. And also in this other parable that Jesus is bringing, the, the new wine not yet fermented had to be put into new or reconditioned wineskins to allow for those gases uh, to expand within the walls of it as the result of the fermentation process. If they'd put it in the old ones, then they would have just burst wide open because they were already stretched and they could stretch no more. And uh, all that wine would run out. So the Old Testament laws could never stretch enough, if you will, to accommodate um, the new covenant truths of mercy and grace and truth. You know, the scripture says in John 1, it says, by Moses came the law, but by Jesus Christ came grace and truth. And Jesus, praise God, set us free from the judgment of the Old Testament laws. 
Matter of fact, let's bring up Romans 6, 14. Let's just let the New Testament talk to us for a moment to help us better understand and appreciate the reality that we live in now thanks to Jesus. For sin, let's all read this one together out loud. Ready? Read. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Ooh, that's good. Sin shall not have dominion over you. See, if you're under law, then you're dominated by sin. As Paul said, when the law came, sin revived. I didn't know it was wrong until I was told it was wrong. I didn't, I, I didn't know I shouldn't do it until it said don't do it, and then I wanted to do it because it said don't do it. I know none of us can relate to that. <laughs> Romans 10, look at verses 3 and 4. For they being ignorant, speaking of Israel, ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So how do you submit to the righteousness of God? I'm glad you asked. That's why verse 4 comes in along. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. They're ignorant of, the, of God's righteousness because they're seeking to obtain their own righteousness, which comes by works, which comes by good deeds. Oh, but that's over. And now God has established a new covenant, and we are now made righteous and experience His righteousness and are credited with His righteousness by faith in Jesus. Amen. Galatians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. In other words, what Paul is teaching us and that we see throughout the Scripture, if, if you begin to try to attain your righteousness through the law, you have to do all of it. You don't get to pick and choose which laws you like. You have to do all of it. Right? Like, uh, there, there's a common mistake today. There are some who, who um, believe that they, um, that they celebrate the Sabbath day. So they have church on Saturday. Now, I'm not talking about Jews. I'm talking about Gentiles who think they're Jews. Um, and and who, who say, yeah, I, you know, the Sabbath is, is sacred. It's holy. Um, but, but they work five days a week. They work Monday through Friday and take Saturday and Sunday off. And they say they keep the Sabbath, but that's not the whole Sabbath. See, if you're actually going to keep the Sabbath, the Scripture starts off, the rules of the Sabbath are six days shall you work, and then the Sabbath you don't work. You rest. You don't just get to pick and choose whatever you want. If you're going to live by the law, you've got to keep all of the law. You see the trap, the big trap that you can get into. So Jesus is just so much better. Let's bring up Galatians again, uh, verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by what? Faith, verse 12. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them. See, this is about doing, not believing. Who does them shall live by them. 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, I love this blessing of Abraham, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through. Now, come on. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through. 
faith. Okay, all right. Just making sure you're still alive out there. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Isn't this new covenant wonderful? Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, and be found in him. Everybody say in him. Not having my own righteousness. You don't find your own righteousness in him. You find his righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Everybody shout faith in Christ. Now, shout it. (laughs) There you go. All right. This is fun. All right. The righteousness, which is from God, by faith. By faith. By faith. Jesus told these guys, um, you're going to have to change the way you think. You have to change the way you think. Because uh, what you don't understand is the bridegroom is here. And you could have easily seen my day coming if you would have believed the prophets. And if you would have followed the scripture, you would have easily embraced me. But because you're sold out to the rules and the regulations, you've completely missed the heart of God in this deal. And even Jesus gave them kind of a riddle or a proverb in Matthew's gospel where he says, you need to think on this. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So you think it's all about what you have to give up to show your piety and your holiness to God. And again, you've neglected the weightier matters. Justice, mercy, and faith. This is not... Things are changing. In Madagascar's east coast city of uh, Tamatave, I don't know exactly how to say that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. (laughs) Then I can say whatever I want. (laughs) Tomative? I don't know. So um, they have this local taboo against having a toilet in your house or on your land. And it has complicated big time the task of trying to improve that region's uh, dire sanitation situation. So um, nationwide, more than 10,000 people, of whom are two-thirds, two-thirds of them are children under five years old, die prematurely from diarrhea annually. Imagine that. 10,000 people, according to the World Health Organization, and this attributes 88% of these cases to poor quality water and sanitation. So, according to the UN Children's Fund, or UNICEF, uh, an estimated 7.4 million people of Madagascar who lack latrines uh, defecate along the beaches and the rivers, which are used for drinking water. Overcoming these local taboos and convincing people that they need latrines has required some drastic measures. Uh, one person uh, who's there to help with this said, our trainers go to the villagers and offer them water with excrement in the drink. And so uh, they refuse that water, and then they take them down to the river and show them, no, this is where we drink from every day. And uh, they're saying that this is the same thing. But once a village has decided to be a part of this process of improving the sanitation, they said that aid workers start this prog- program called a community-led total sanitation. Anyway, uh, they aim to reduce 30 per- the 32% of the Madagascar's population who currently practice open defecation. 
to less than 1%. That's what they're working on. They're just old ways. It's, it's, we've always done this. Yeah, but you're dying. You're sick. This is not profiting you. This is destroying your lives. And so it's been very, very difficult to change their minds on that. You know, we have lots of things we need to change our minds about. That's why the Scripture teaches us to, you know, uh, re, be renewed, be renewed, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, they say that out of 700,000 doctors in the United States, 120,000 accidental deaths are caused by them annually. Out of 700,000 doctors, 120,000 accidental deaths are caused by doctors. There are 80 million gun owners in this country. Woohoo! And somewhere around 1,500 accidental deaths. 120,000 accidental deaths by doctors, 1,500 by guns. The doctor, this means, is 9,000 times more likely to kill you than someone with a gun. But if your neighbor shoots you, they're going to load you up, put you in an ambulance, and take you to a doctor. That's... <laughs> I just put some dirt on it. <laughs> the danger is, though, we love the old, huh? We love the old. We want, we want to grow, but we don't really want the new. It's kind of like that guy who said, I'd, I'd like to get a new boomerang. Can you show me how to throw away the old one? <laughs> according, according to the, the Greek uh, and English lexicon of the New Testament, when he's talking about the new, this is interesting. It expounds on this Greek word for new, and it, mean, it, it describes it as this, moving briskly or to agitate. Boy, isn't that the truth. The old means long-standing or worn out. Isn't that the truth? The old is easy. We can sleepwalk in it, you know? Um, New wine presents growth, but it also presents agitation. But if you want the new wine, you've got to have new bottles for that. And, and this old also becomes stagnant when you become still and to cease to flow or to run, to stop developing, to stop advancing, and to stop being usefully active. But you know what? The people of God have great potential who are planted in the house of God. Turn over to Psalm chapter 92 for a moment in verse 13. Psalm chapter 92, verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14. I should have told you more than one verse. Everybody say, I love you, Matthew. Doing a great job. Verse 14 of that same chapter. They shall still bear fruit when? In old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. See, that's good. That's good news. You know, being a part of the church that is expanding, that's growing, keeps you young. Keeps you thinking young. Because God's vision is continually progressing. You know where the scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish? It literally means where there is no progressive vision, the people cast off restraint. Um, and sometimes we struggle with the new because it's moving too fast. 
and it agitates us. Stuff starts shaking, and uh, uh, the Lord shakes things that we that he knows that need to be moved or removed from our lives. Um, but the, the farmer has to prepare those wineskins uh, before the new wine comes. And, you know, you and I must have new skins that can be stretched, be ready and prepared for what's coming. Are you willing to be stretched? <laughs> I thought I heard a cricket there for a second. Was that a cricket? It was? What timing was that? Are you ready to be stretched? Chirp, chirp, chirp. That was like prophetic. <laughs> See, as long as this farmer continues to plant, then he's going to have new wine. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but listen, God gives the increase in this deal. And uh, whew, this is something that has been continually challenging me. Are you willing to pay? Are you willing to pay the old to have the new? Are you willing to give up the old thing to have the new? Are you willing to do away with that title or that position so that you can have the new thing? Good. Many times the new wine, the new experience is coming into your life when you become bothered with yourself. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know what's going on in your life, but it seems like you're just agitated, you're frustrated with where you are, and things can be seemingly going quite well. That's because something's changing, something's moving. And, and, uh, but you have to keep your, your mind right on that and your attitude, because otherwise you can, you can go the wrong route on that. And when the Lord begins to agitate and the Spirit begins to move, um, he's, he's preparing you for something new. He, he said in Isaiah, Behold, I do a new thing. The God who never changes is always seeming to change things, right? So got to be prepared for that new thing and, and not get caught up. And I'm talking about this on a practical side. Jesus is speaking to us concerning the old and new covenant. But with God, it's, there are many new experiences. You think about how many homes and businesses or churches failed because they refused to prepare for the new thing. And uh, I'm just going to be determined not to be the reason why I don't have a future. I need to be determined that uh, the new wine is not going to be destroyed. There are some things that absolutely remain timeless, and that is this message that we preach. It is, a, it is sacred, but the methods of it, how we get this word out are continually changing and evolving. You know, um, well, let me say it like this. I heard this from Pastor Charles Neiman. I thought this was really good. He said, in, in, the, in the land of promise, he said that it was, had milk and honey. He said, well, you can't have milk and honey without the cows and the bees. Old wineskins can become new again. You know, you can be pliable again. How's that happen? By soaking them in the oil. Let the Holy Spirit begin to rejuvenate you again and, and get you yielded and ready because because if you become stiff, you become stifled, and, and literally it means graceless. Wow. Living under grace and being graceless. But if we'll humble ourselves and submit to what he has planned for our lives, because he's always taken you and I to, in a good place, to a good place, a new direction. When David um, Garner and I, were, um, we did a Tough mutter competition. How long ago was that now? Ugh. 
man, now we're like has-beens. I need to, we need to do another one. We did the Spartan race together too. Almost died on that one, but we made it through it. But the, the Tough Mudder, um, and you've heard me say this before, but it was something that really s- stuck out to me is as we were getting ready to, to run the race, they kind of gather all the crowd, and this guy gets up, and he's pumping everybody up, kind of gives a speech, you know, well, sing the national anthem there, and everybody's just ready to go. And, and they were talking about this man who had done lots of those competitions before, and he was a big-time tough mutter and had, done, had all these accomplishments in those kinds of races. Well, he had recently passed away of cancer, but, um, I mean, he fought all the way to the end. But one of the things he said, and this man quoted this man's quote to us, which just, just went inside me because I thought this is, the, this is the Christian experience. He says, when is the last time you did something for the first time? When's the last time you did something for the first time? And that, that every once in a while just bounces around in my head. You know, when I start thinking old and I start thinking just settling and routining and, and just kind of staying comfortable. This is not what we were created to do. Huh? We were created for so much more. Created for the new experience. Created for the new open door. Amen. Speaking of open door, uh, did you get it up? So, Brooke, we're coming into a second, a second part to this sermon series. You know, the, the door is open. This coming Sunday will be our last one, and we'll be transi- transitioning to the next one. So this, I asked her to put this up. She, this, this is her idea for part two. <laughs> I'm telling you, she sent that to me the other day on text, and I'm weeping. I'm laughing so hard. It's like, I think we should almost do that. What do you think? The door is still freaking open. When is this series going to end? <laughs> anyway, it was just great. I got a big laugh out of it. Okay, you can take it down. <laughs> and with that, let's stand. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. I love you very much. Your mom would be so proud. Hallelujah. Hey, let's just take a moment and lift our hands to the Lord. Give him some praise here. After looking at this reality of this new covenant that we've been brought into, aren't you glad the old is gone and the new has come? What has the new done for you? Oh, my goodness. Brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Paul said, remember you Gentiles at one time, you were, you were strangers to these covenants of promise. You were on the outside looking in. You were without hope and you were without God in the world. But now, praise God, in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was shed for us, that you brought us in this new and living way. Hallelujah. You've, you've Lord, have brought a new covenant established upon better promises. Thank you, Lord. And we hold to those promises tonight. We thank you that all of those promises are yes and in Jesus Christ. Amen tonight. Thank you, Father God, that you came to give us life and that more abundantly. Thank you, Lord, that you came and healed us and you truly delivered us from our destruction. Thank you, Lord, that you have eradicated our sin. Thank you that you have forgiven us, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, not holding our sins against us any longer. What a new day. What a new way. What a blessing, God, it is to be in the family of God tonight. Thank you that you've liberated us from the power of darkness, from the power of sin, and ultimately from death itself. Thank you, Father God, that in you there is life. As Jesus, you said, those who believe in me, you have passed from death and into life. Thank you, Lord, for life. Thank you, Lord, for the abundance in this life that we can enjoy 
our God who supplies all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you who did not spare your own son, thank you, God, that you didn't spare him. Lord, what great favor you gave us when you didn't spare Jesus, but you delivered him up for all of us. How shall you not with him freely give us all things? Thank you, Lord. What a great covenant we've been brought into. What a grace. What a great salvation. Thank you, Lord. We bless you tonight. And as we go from here, Lord, I thank you that you bless your people. And they're going out just like they've been blessed and they're coming in. Thank you, Lord, that you've made them to be the head and not the tail. Above, only, and never beneath. First, not last. Victors, and never the victim. Thank you, Father, that you've empowered them by your Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives, abides, dwells in them every day of their life, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you lead them in triumph and you always give them the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.